Hello and welcome to The Graveyard Shift, the weekly horror podcast where we take a listener-suggested movie and break it down into the good, the bad, and anything else we find fun and or relevant. My name is Mike and I never work The Graveyard Shift alone. Please say hello to the guy that, even though I do respect him as a friend and I enjoy his company, I would probably not have an orgy in a mall with him, Eric. You never know till you try, sir. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Never say never. Exactly. So, so the guy that I would unlikely... I would be highly unlikely to have an orgy in a mall with. Again, you never know until you try. Well, let's be honest. If there's Nookie on the table, even if it's like, even if I have to just tolerate you being like 20 feet away with no divider, I could be like, well, let's see now. No sex or sex. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Beggars can't be choosers, Mike. Especially with like some buxom blonde playboy model. Eggs. And she's just like, look, I can't get off until the fat guy with a beard can like turn his head and see us. Okay, that, that's the way you're going to get it, Mike. And I'll be like, oh, fine. That's why she brought me along. It was a package deal. <laughs> Look, Sorry, knowing, I, that, knowing, that, knowing that Eric is watching is half the thing for her. Exactly. I will sleep with you, Mike, but the fat bearded guy gets to watch. <laughs> like, is he like 20 feet away? Like, uh, that rule will be put in for you. But he will be watching, and you'll just have to ignore the sounds of popcorn being shoveled into his mouth. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. So this movie. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's just get on with this movie. Today's episode is Dawn of the Short Circuit, because we watched Chopping Mall. Yes, we did. Directed by Jim Wynorski, who, uh, just a quick caveat i don't know much about the man i can't speak to all of his uh his attributes but i did see a uh, an offhanded comment he made regarding the uh the suicide of a trans person where he was uh i remember yeah and he was uh he was pretty he was pretty dismissive about it mm -hmm. so uh you know, I don't know if, like, if he's changed his attitude since then, because that was several years ago. I uh, I just blocked him on Facebook after seeing that, because, you know, uh, like, celebrating anybody's suicide for just, you know, being a, a trans person is atrocious. Correct. So, in the unlikely event that he's uh, changed his mind or uh, become more enlightened, mm -hmm. you know, if he has, do let us know, but that was my experience with him, and... You know, basically, I, it, it was a heated discussion, and then I ended up blocking him because I just couldn't. And that that was one of those cases where I friended him without knowing who the hell he was. Ah, you just saw maybe he was you know involved in the horror community type of thing? It, it was one of those Facebook things where it's just like, after you friend a certain amount of people, it just starts saying, hey, you might want to follow. And uh, I just started Facebook, and I just thought I could use a couple thousand friends. Mm -hmm. It's I I just kept clicking the friend 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 and uh, that's how I met David Howard Thornton. Mm -hmm. I had no idea who the fuck Art the Clown was. I was just like, why does this David guy keep posting the same clown guy on his Facebook? Mm -hmm. I don't know. And then after chatting with him, God, I that was just one that you know. Sometimes it's blind luck. Sometimes yep. you meet Art the Clown and you strike up a great friggin' friendship with him. Or you meet a horror director who is a, who, at, at least at the time, expressed an extremely transphobic mm -hmm. view. Right. And it's potluck. Right. So, you know, if you have any information, if he's, uh, 
if he's become more supportive in the meantime, then, you know, do let me know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had a pretty bad experience with the guy, and I told you about it. I, th- yep. I don't know if I showed you the screenshot, or I don't know if I kept it or not. I don't. You pretty much told me the whole situation, but what we, we we've mentioned this before on the graveyard shift. We we can separate work from people because there was a situation that you brought up when we were talking about Chillerama as well. Right. So. Well, yeah, that that Owen Benjamin guy, ugh, mm-hmm. that dude. So, you know, we're just gonna have to set. You know, horror is full of both great people and not so great people. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah. So, this movie was produced by Julie Corman. Mm-hmm. Apparently not Roger Corman, but clearly, you know, when you're banging the producer, you get you probably get a say. Yeah, Julie is Roger's wife. Does she work for him, though, or does she I have a uh, her own thing? I'm going to click on it now. She's married to Roger, uh, married to him in 1970, and she... Pers- she was, she's been a producer of a bunch of films. Uh, she started her own company, Trinity Pictures, in 1984. And she's actually produced a number of family films, like A Cry in the Wild, uh, The Westing Game, uh, Dirk Bike Kid. I've never heard of that one. Um, and then she is a member of the Women in Film, member of Women in Film and the International Women's Forum given several seminars at NYU, so she knows herself very well educated. Yeah, but it's not like this movie... Like, this was distributed by... Con- yeah, distributed by Concord. Mm. It doesn't say who it was produced by, so we don't know if it was, like, officially Corman or if it's just like, hey, listen, I bang her, but, you know, she doesn't work for me. Um, I, I, I can't see the situation from this... Uh, it, she has a huge producing credit all the way up from, like, 1971... And I did a little bit of research, you know, with the Roger Corman stuff, and it seems like, uh, is it Wynorski, the director? He had a lot of feedback from Roger, so I think Roger himself is in, like an uncredited producer as well. Yeah, he says Roger Corman was nothing but supportive. So, right. like, he was definitely involved, but we don't know if he was, like, just in a supportive capacity or if he was just, like, official, like, the wife works for him. Mm-hmm. Hard to say. It doesn't say in the Wikipedia. But right. uh, the movie was written by Jim Wynorski and Steve Mitchell, starring Kelly Maroney, our cherubic beauty from Night of the Comet. Mm-hmm. Tony O'Dell, who uh, was one of the uh, Cobra Kai guys in uh, The Karate Kid. I did not know that. And he was in the uh, the second season of Cobra Kai, so he made a return. So hmm. I'm trying to remember who he was, if he was the guy that died or one of the other dudes. I have no idea. Honestly, <laughs> I, the, if, if he wasn't one of the bullies, the only other Cobra Kai guy I remember is Lamar, the gay black guy from Revenge of the Nerds. So I couldn't tell you. Yeah, he played. Uh, yeah, he returned as Jimmy. But again, if only I can remember. Yeah. I I just recently watched season two of Cobra Kai. I couldn't tell you which one he was. Oh no, he's the guy that uh, expresses distrust of Crease. I think they all do in that movie or in that season. Yeah, he may have been the first though. Could have been. Yeah, Tommy was the one that died of cancer. Right. Man, that was a really sad episode. It really was, especially. Oh man. We'll go off on a little bit of a tangent. When you find out that the actor himself was dying of cancer, 
and died a couple months after filming that episode, and the last image you see of that actor is being zipped up in a body bag. Oh wow! So he had his own. He had his own mm-hmm. sign off. Yep. Televised. Yep. How is that for kind of uncomfortable? I guess you would say, but still, wow. Wow, so that was his very last performance, and then he died at the age of 59. Mm-hmm. Man, kidney and liver issues when his organs shut down. Yep. Man, that is such a... a Man, what a fitting end for the guy. Mm-hmm. That is fucking awesome. Well, it's sad that he died, but... Yeah, like, I get it. He, di- he died awesomely. <laughs> he died. That's fucking awesome. Wait a minute. No, I, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, this is one of those backpedal situations. <laughs> I need, this is one of those situations where I need a tie throw so he can be like. Uh, so then uh, also in this movie was John Terde- John Terleski, Russell Todd, uh, Carrie Emerson, Barbara Crampton, mm-hmm. Susie Slater and Nick Segal. And for Barbara Crampton and Susie Slater, mm, mm, mm. Definitely, I, I'm, I'm the bar. I'm a Barbara guy myself. <sighs> yeah, Susie Slater was definitely a a handful for the uh, for the brief appearance she yeah. was in. Oh yes, she was. I'm sure we'll be talking about that on one of our lists. Oh uh, yeah, like living blow up doll, Susie Slater. Mm-hmm. Uh, music by Chuck Serino. Cinematography by Tom Richmond, edited by Leslie Romenthal, released March 21st, 1986, with a runtime of 76 minutes and 95 minutes. And uh, the version we saw on Tubi was an hour and 16 minutes, so it wasn't the 95-minute one, so I can only imagine what we missed. Mm -hmm. Trying to think, I've watched it both on Tubi, and I do have the Blu-ray release, and I've watched them both, and honestly, I couldn't tell you what the differences were. I've seen this so many times, it kind of blends together. You know, the, the, the main parts you watch for. Yeah, I'm looking at the Wikipedia. It says two different versions exist. The TV cut has extra footage, mm. such as a small homage to Attack of the Crab Monsters, extended scenes of Ferdy and Allison watching the TV, some aerial shots, and an extension of one of the Ferdy Allison scenes, and there's no official source that offers this version. So we basically missed out on nothing. So Yeah, missed out on fluff. Yeah. And it says on the DVD commentary track, Wynorski and Mitchell discussed many details of production, including an injury that the director suffered while helping mm. to prepare a stunt sequence, yep. their unlikely relationship with Galleria's security chief, and a friendly one with the mall's owner, the many beautiful women as part of the cast, and ways that they dealt with having a little time or money yet finished the work on time. And that is that's and, the Corman, that's the Corman model. Finish it on time and don't spend any money. The budget was an estimated eight hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Boy, you know, like being cheap on camera is one thing, but when your accountant is so cheap, he's like, uh, "We got about eight hundred thousand dollars to mess with." So, does that mean that I can buy the extra camera I want or not? Yeah. How about you do, and then I'll let you know if you're in trouble. <laughs> Why do I hire you again? Because I work for less than scale. Right, right, right. Yeah, you buy that camera. Sir, Mr. Corman wants to see you in his office. 
now. <laughs> uh, so there is no uh, <laughs> there is no apparent uh, box office take, although it does say that it did perform poorly. And it was initially released as Killbots. Mm-hmm. However, it got it fared better when re-released as Chopping Mall. Mm-hmm. And a janitor suggested that name, which makes sense because there is no chopping in this fucking movie. <laughs> you know, up until this point, I really thought like it would be called Chopping Mall because like the security bots were like mannequins mm-hmm. that could hold weapons like axes. Oh right, this was actually your first time watching this, wasn't it? Yeah. Ah, uh, well, that makes sense then. You have no idea what you're getting into. Well, yeah, I assume that it would be something that would chop. I mean, mm. you see a fuck. I mean, the cover of the movie on the fucking poster has a has a like a chopped a, a separated hand mm-hmm. holding a shopping bag, and it looks kind of rotted and desiccated. So, yep, and it's you know, it looks like it could be zombies attacking a shopping mall, yeah, and, and then a, people are fending it off with axes. Yeah, and inside that bag, you see a little uh, little face inside. Yeah, it's totally misleading. Um, it's literally <laughs> has nothing to do with the fucking movie at all. It's just a, I think, a lovable play on words. It is, but then the poster sells the lie with, mm-hmm. you know, blood red font dripping down, uh, oozing font, mm-hmm. a head in a bag. And it even says like Park Plaza Mall. So it's not like a generic bag. It is specific to the mall in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like it, 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 it's promising something it does not deliver. And I just noticed this. The the it says where shopping costs you an arm and a leg. I'm pretty sure there's no, you know, arms or legs dismembered in this movie. No, there's no dismemberment in this movie. That's and true. there's a dismembered there's a dismembered hand holding a bag. So again, you really <laughs> think that this is about either a maniacs or or showing up with swords mm-hmm. and and various bladed weapons, or people are fending off an army of zombies, right? With a uh, with these things like you're expecting like a, a like an up close gory violent movie like maybe you know that's that scene in the original dawn of the dead when savini and his biker gang comes in yeah big difference <laughs> yeah what you i mean there are, there are several promises being made on this cover and none of them are being uh none of them are being fulfilled mm-hmm Ah, uh, so, uh, any trivia before we get on with the movie? I did. Let's see here. It was filmed in the same mall that was used in Commando and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Um, you mentioned the in- injury to the uh, the director, and it was during the scene where a, a character falls to his death. You know, he's thrown to his death from like a, a the third level of the mall, and the director, you know, the stunt crew was setting up and the director Jim uh he volunteered to try the stunt himself as long as he was like he was willing to do it from the second level and he completed it successfully but he found out he had broken a rib after doing it and he did not tell anybody that he had gotten hurt so that no one would find out and they wouldn't shoot shut down production. <laughs> That's a team player. <laughs> exactly. Um what else did I have written down? Um, basically, it's my it's my fault. I should have inhaled when I landed instead of exhaled. Yeah, um, and then you know because Roger Corman is known for saving money, all the movie posters you see in the background of the mall are Roger Corman movies. 
the movie they watch, you know, <laughs> during the, the orgy scene that a Ferdy and Allison, I think it is. Attack, what was it, like Attack of the Crab People, yeah. Crab People. Atta- Attack of the Crab Monsters, which was a directed by Roger Corman movie, so don't have to pay rights to that. Um, and then we've, we've uh, mentioned that, you know, Wynorski said Corman was nothing but supportive and loved the idea. Um, Corman wanted more nudity added in. Which is a, a, a Corman staple. <laughs> and I did find some Friday the 13th references, which I thought was cool. Um, the, the character Linda, she is the dark-haired one. The guy she is dating is in Friday the 13th Part 2. He's the creepy the creepy guy that steals the hot blonde's clothes when she's skinny dipping. He's the one that gets his neck slit in the snare. And, what is it? Allison was originally going to be played by Dana Kimmel, who was the final girl in part three, but she did not want to do it because of all the sex involved of the movie. So that's how we, <laughs> so that's how we got Kelly Maroney. And also, this is one of the many movies where Dick Miller plays a character named Walter Paisley. He has played him in Bucket of Blood, uh, Eating Raoul, The Twilight Zone, the movie his section of Twilight Zone, the movie, and uh, a few others. So, yeah, many, many times he plays... Oh, the character of Walt in Night of the Creeps. So many times he plays a character named Walter Paisley, who obviously is not the same character due to the outcome of what happens to him in this film. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I I just looked up a a shot of Kelly Maroney now Mm -hmm. from 2019, and she is... like. Like, she looks different, but still amazingly hot. Yep. Her and Barbara Crampton have aged wonderfully, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, apparently, like, Barbara Crampton was in a a movie that we had covered called You're Next. Mm -hmm. And she was... uh, And she was also in Castle Freak. Yep. And stunning in those movies as well. So, and for all you perverts out there, she's also stunning in her Playboy pictorial. December nineteen eighty six. There you go. Titled simply "Beastly Behind Every Successful Monster," there's a woman, and behind every woman is Mike watching her uncomfortably. <laughs> <laughs> Just giving that. Mm. Oh, God. So, eating Raul. What the hell was eating Raul? I have no idea. I just clicked. I'm assuming it's another Corman movie because at that time in his career, Dick Miller did nothing but Corman films. I could be wrong. Because Dick Miller is one of the many, many people who got started in Corman films. Yeah, so apparently it is. A, it got two stars by Roger Ebert saying it's got funny stuff in it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't exactly advise not seeing it, but it doesn't go that last mile. Yeah, what but it, it has a Rotten Tomato score of eighty six percent. So you know, fuck you, Roger. Oh, and he. I forgot. And the other Walter Paisley time uh, was in the original Howling. Who was he in that? I have no idea. I, that is one of the few Joe Dante films I have yet to see. Oh, he was the owner of the occult bookstore in The Howling. Oh, and Edie McClurg was in Eating Raoul as a woman in fur at a swingers party. 
You know, I, I, you know, of all the, uh, of all the ladies I want to see in a swingers party, Edie McClurg does not come to mind. <laughs> She's not even on the bottom of the list. Don't knock until you try it, like we said before. <laughs> uh, so, with all that uh, trivia out of the way, let's get to the goods. My first good is the studio logo is awesome. It is a sunset background on the on the uh, on the titles with a glowing blue hue. This is so fucking eighties. Mm-hmm. The only thing it needs next is like neon words being written and then uh, like like a synth riff. Mm-hmm. Oh, this movie is so eighties. I love it. I love. There's so many eighties uh, nods to this. You know, not just you know being in a mall but oh man like a lady's just like walking with her friend and she's just like hey hairspray me so then her friends give her gives her a fucking can of hairspray as they're walking down the mall like you just carry that shit in your purse mm. all the time because you never know when you need to blow yourself out yeah i i had that as one of my goods i just put uh you know the montage of a day in the mall you have everybody running around <laughs> running around you have that poor little kid eating the ice cream cone and he gets crushed in the elevator and it's done in like you know the 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 action sped up. You see him eating the ice cream cone. They they come in the elevator. Elevator door shuts. They all run out. And he's covered in in ice cream. Um, you have the one kid trying to steal a TV or or, or, a, or a VCR or something like literally under his shirt, and you can see the fucking oversized square. Um, I thought it was. Uh, I thought he was stealing a record. It could have been. But and then you know the, um, the waitress man, that was through, so good. The waitress going through the food court and then you know she's trying not to spill and of course she spills on the customer. So I just love that goofy montage. You know the the kid who trips on the escalator when the the bathing suit uh, models are coming down the other side. <laughs> he trips from standing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that. That's how fu- like Lewis Tully had more chill than that guy. <laughs> Oh, I just found out some some more horror trivia that matters to nobody. Uh, the kid who was stealing the uh, the record or whatever, Rodney Eastman, he was in. We will mention Friday the Thirteenth. He's in Nightmare on Elm Street Four. He is the kid that gets killed in the waterbed. So there you go. Oh shit! Nice. Yeah, my my takeaway from the uh, from the opening montage mm-hmm. was. The old lady watching these two horny teens like sloppily making out, <laughs> and he, and even she gets a little raunchy. Yeah, not 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 to not to their degree, but she just like, hey, remember when we were like that? I'm gonna take my teeth out tonight. You're getting the gum job of a lifetime, whether you want to or not. <laughs> uh <clears throat> Yeah, the opening titles on this were pretty great. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wasn't too impressed with the kid's bad acting. Like when the kid gets swarmed, he just basically gives like a smile and covers up his face. Uh-huh. It's like this kid was clearly not given any acting direction. Mm-hmm. It's like they just gave him one take, and they're just like, "All right, now you're gonna get swarmed. Now be scared." And then he just pulled the kid thing of like, "Be scared or be be nervous." Yep. Remember, this is for Roger. You know, he only allows one take. Make it count. God damn it, kid. You <laughs> fucked it up. Well, well. Print. Just remember, when you're a grown-up, you're going to be looking at that and just being like, oh, no, I'm scared with a big smile on my face. <laughs> uh, yeah, the actual titles on this were great. Uh, Blood Red Colors with a segmented robotic font. Yep. 
So this is just a great, uh, a great beginning. Mm -hmm. And uh, what? Yeah, that was your first good. The uh, the opening credits, right? Well, or past the opening credits. Well, it, my actual. I kind of played on what you had said. I said the right. day at the mall montage. I guess my first official good um, was uh, I liked the 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 showcase of the of the actual uh, the robot the protectors stopping a robbery. You it you think it's actually part of a movie. You know, he chases the burglar. I think he stole some jewelry or something like that. He shoots him with, like, a stun gun type of cable. You know, he, he tasers him. The guy falls down. And then the uh, the robot looks at the camera and suddenly we see the end. So it's a total, like, what the fuck mo moment. You don't, like, if you have never seen this film before, you don't know what you're getting into. And then I just love that little the end at the very beginning within, like, the opening, what, five minutes of the film. So It's a Keratronics production. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a fun way to start the film. Yeah, I, I love the look of the robots. Yep. Like, I, as soon as I saw them, I sent you a, I sent you a picture and I just called it the Ed 109. Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> this, this is the precursor for OCP Industries. Oh, yeah. I, I wrote down that they're, they're basically, I thought they kind of looked like the, something out of like Battlestar Galactica, you know, super cheap, complete with the... With the whole, like the, oh, come on, 50 cent, you know, type of laser beam shooting out of their eyes. and Even the, the head, he looks like, like, doesn't he basically look like a Cylon? Yes, he looks like a Cylon. They got the, the, the I guess you would say stereotypical, I would say like Star Trek laser sounding effects. Um, and then the voice. Oh, the sound effects for his laser. The sound effect for their lasers, I think, is directly ripped from War of the Worlds. Because we hear like that. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Yeah, very well could be. And I don't know if... Was War of the Worlds maybe public domain? Oh, oh. Maybe that's how he was able to get it. Uh, I don't know, but I, I don't know if it was a... Uh, I don't know if it was approved or if it was just like, come on, they're not going to notice this. They're not, they're not going to watch this movie. <laughs> no one's going to see this film. We know that. Yeah, but, but like even like when they shoot, like they're, they're packed, they're rays. Mm -hmm. They're not like straight beams. Mm -hmm. They're like, like swaths. Yep. Which is like the uh, which is just what the uh, the the uh, the lasers for the War of the World ships yep. were. They weren't straight beams either. They were like swaths of color flying across the screen. Yep. With that. No, I like. So I think it, I think it was a I think it was a as much a ripoff as he could do. Like he even took like the colors of the spaceship, mm -hmm. which were red, green, and blue, mm -hmm. and those were the uh, the the colors of the uh, the robots lasers. And the one cool thing about Roger is, you know, I, I I've seen so many Roger Corman either produced films or directed films. Roger's one of those people. He won't say it's an homage. He'll say, "Yeah, we just ripped that off." Plain and simple, short, yeah. short and to the point. So yeah, yeah. This one just looks like a militarized version of BB, mm -hmm. whose ass it would kick in a fight. Yeah, you know, BB BB's the younger brother that that gets slapped around all the time. There's no way he yeah. he's messing with the protectors, but. Yeah, I just BB's BB's the prototype, and they're the uh, they're the finished product with full armor, not just like exposed circuit plates and everything like, you, like BB. You just really hate BB. <laughs> BB has some. He's fundamentally does he? I mean, a glass of water could have taken out BB. Yeah, and we'll talk about later what what, what can't take out these guys. But yeah, uh, the, just the look of the protectors. You know the the. The Cylon look, the 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 lasers, the sound effects, the voice, the the, the very 
thank you. Have a nice day. You know, <laughs> robot yeah, voice. The vo- yeah, the voices was also done by Jim Wynorski. Mm-hmm. They do so, in my opinion, they do so good with so very little. They definitely do make the money count. Yeah. The what, whatever that amount of money may be, because they they don't know what they spent. <laughs> That's true, uh, but you know what? It, for me, it worked. Oh yeah. So, what's your next guy? Okay, let's see here. We talked about the look of the protectors. I am a sucker for lightning bringing something to life. Lightning strikes the motherboard here, brings these these uh, killbots or protectors to life. I'm a sucker for it ever since Frankenstein. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, Jason Lives, anything and every time, any time a monster (air quotes) is just brought to life by lightning or electricity, I've loved that uh, ever since I was a kid. It's 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 a trope, but it's one of my favorite horror tropes, and uh, it works here. You know, how do we explain these robots coming to life? I'm sure Roger's like, ah, eh, fuck it, lightning. You know, I can do that effect easily. <laughs> Twenty bucks. Oh, yeah. Sweet magical lightning. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next good is Mary Warno makes her return from Night of the Comet to prove that she can make the wackiest array of faces. Mm-hmm. Like She's only in this for about four minutes of screen time, and I showed you screenshot after screenshot of her making like the goofiest fucking faces it was i love that scene was fun she was next to par bartel who was we previously talked about him he was like the asshole uh camp counselor in piranha another you know corman produced picture and right. uh, those two were i think they've worked together i guess many times um they're they're hilarious together there's they're they reminded you know who they reminded me of they reminded me of the old men in the balcony of the muppet show when they're at this presentation just shit talking and and not listening to this guy's uh shtick and uh it was it was a lot of fun comedy in this like you said maybe five minute scene yeah she is a uh, she she appeared with Paul Bartel like seventeen films together often playing a married couple okay like yeah. they 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 just played off of each other mm-hmm. lots of fun I love that and he. Paul Bartel, he's one of those guys. He pops up in Joe Dante films all the time. He's 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 like you know under Dick Miller of being. Hey, it's that guy. Oh man, she has just been in so many films. Like she is, mm-hmm. you know, she's seventy six, but still not too shabby. Let's let's see. I can't always take Mike's word for it because of his low standards. Hey, not bad, not bad. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely. Uh, De- definitely still a, still way ahead of Betty White. Yeah. And she's still alive, you know, especially considering she used to work a lot with Andy Warhol. So, hey, you know, more power to her. And she's single. Yeah. Hey, there you go, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? She There's a movie called Sense from 1966, and apparently she... Uh, the role that... Her section, her role... In the movie Sense from 1966 was John F. Kennedy. <laughs> she played JFK. Right, directed, wow. by Andy, directed by Andy Warhol about the assassination of JFK. 
Oh, and then she was in a movie called Sugar Cookies, which was a softcore crime drama, so we probably got to see her goodies. Mm -hmm. And she was in Seizure, Silent Night, Bloody Night, Death Race 2000. Yep, she was fun in Death Race 2000. Cannonball, Heart Beeps, which is a romantic comedy about two robots that fall in love, and we get to see a robot that looks even more like a Cylon. <laughs> Rock and Roll High School, the, yep. Yeah, Night of the Comet, she was great in that. Oh, God, Dick Tracy, welfare person. <laughs> <laughs> welfare person, my God. How they got away with crediting that. And then she was in the Looney Tunes back in action movie as the Acme VP of Bad Ideas. And she played a role in The Devil's Rejects. She was someone named Abby. I have no idea who the fuck Abby is. Then she played the house mother in Attack of the 50-Foot Cheerleader. Oh, Lord. And the cover of that says, look at the size of those pom-poms. <laughs> That's definitely something you would have written. That's and it's a 3D horror TV film directed by Kevin O'Neill and produced by Roger Corman in his, as his first 3D production. Oh wow! And the 50 foot teenager, I would guess, is Jenna Sims. No idea who, who was is. in Attack of the 50 Foot Cheerleader, Three Headed Shark Attack, and Sharknado Five: Global Warming. Oh, and her only qualification, I guess, was being Miss Georgia Teen USA in 2007. <laughs> Oh, man, the distractions. Yeah. So uh, what was your next hit? Uh, well, <laughs> we were talking about we we're talking about pom-poms. Um, my next good is the hilarious group sex scene, the orgy. We have oh, the ample the one the last bastion of ample nudity before we have to realize, oh, yeah, we're in a uh, we're in a sci fi horror movie. It's not it's not a, as much as you would think it was because of some of the nudity. It's not. We have. Four couples, and I love it because each couple trying to get it on is different. We have the, I guess you would say air quotes, normal sex scene. We have the woman undressing in front of her boyfriend, trying to, you know, in just her, her bra and panties, trying to be sexy and seduce them. We have that. Well, that one was her husband. We have that couple. Then we have Kelly Maroney. No, not Kelly Maroney. We have, um, fuck is her name? Barbara Crampton. Making out with um, <laughs> her boyfriend on the couch. They're making out, and he says, "Your breath smells like pepperoni." <laughs> so she gets pissed. She walks away, and he's like, "But I love pepperoni." So of course, you know that wins her over. So she gets naked, starts making out with him. Then we have a close-up of uh, Susie Slater. She's the other, you know, dumb blonde, and it's a close-up of her. But she's covered up, you know, and her boyfriend is on all fours, his ass literally sticking up in the air. You just see him under the under the covers, and he's going down on her, and she says something like, you know how I, how I don't like that. And he says, you yeah, didn't we don't allow that. Yeah, I don't allow that, but you didn't mind it last week. So we have those different, you know, couples trying to have sex. And, of course, you got Allison and Ferdy, the two nerds and how are they, what are they doing they're watching attack of the crab monsters when which is probably going to happen to the other three characters when they're done having sex as well <laughs> <laughs> but i just love the different i guess the different couples in the different bed situations how it's another way to i think perfectly mix 
sex and comedy and it's not like over the top it's not groan inducing to me it's not too childish uh, it's it's perfect um and of course the nerds don't want to have sex they want to watch corman films <laughs> that's our foreplay mm-hmm. <laughs> uh my next good is uh, apparently, well, I don't know if this was a good or not, but it was just my observation that every guy under 50 was a knockoff of Huey Lewis, apparently. Yeah, they definitely had Huey Lewis hair, didn't they? And, and his, like, his his suit, mm-hmm. his, like, brown pompadour. Yep. It, it was just, every guy was a Huey Lewis knockoff, and even the guy that apparently had no lips. Yeah. And you had the one with the dark hair, and you were saying he was John Stamos, but still is close enough? Yeah, kind of like Stamos. Uh, like, the way he's, like, walking around smiling at everything, like, I've got a great smile. Yeah. Even in terrible situations, I need to show off my smile. <laughs> not- oh, God. Not- and, uh, yeah, for the orgy scene, I just put down so much ditties. God bless Roger <laughs> Corman. Yeah, remember, like I said, Roger wanted more nudity. And when Roger says, Roger, you know, you do, you know, he's helping you finance your film. When Roger has a good idea, you listen. That's right. You know those close-up shots of those women, <coughs> excuse me, of their butts, you know, when they're in swimsuits or panties. That's all Roger's idea. God bless you, uh, sir. Susie Slater's ass. Yeah. Well, it, that, that, that ass is so firm, it can take three death beams from a robot. Hey, 1986, man, Buns of Steel was big. And she had them. Uh, uh, yeah, apparently her mel- her apparently her head was just a watermelon with a firecracker in it. <laughs> but I mean, who doesn't want an ass that can take a pounding that would destroy a that would destroy a skull? Yeah. Oh, we'll be talking about her in a bit. Trust me. Okay, my next. Okay, one, so what's your next? Before yeah. we get to Susie Slater, um, we mentioned it in our Demon Knight review, Dick Miller. Everybody loves a little dick in their movie, and whenever he shows up, he's always so memorable. Even in a, a scene that's like two minutes long, he's always the grumpy fuck. He's this janitor who is mopping the floor with the dirtiest fucking water. And then I like how... It's not just dirty water. It is thick water. Yeah. It's like he is... It's like he's washing the floor with a chocolate milkshake. It's true. And he's just grumbling. You know, like he's like, you know, he, he reminds me of like a an R-rated version of Mr. Futterman, you know, from the, from the, from Gremlins. You know, instead of talking about, you know, the goddamn foreign cars, he's talking about all these fucking kids and their mess in, in, the, in the shopping mall. <laughs> goddamn foreign kids. <laughs> and then, you know, the robot comes over. I don't know if he knocks over the water or if the robot does, but he shit. The robot knocks over the water. That's how he gets his attention. Yeah. And, and then he, like, he, he like shakes his mop at the, at the robot like like, like he's going to swat it or something. Yeah, he's shit-talking the robot. And I love that because, you know, that, that's Dick Miller. He's, you know, especially in the 80s, he's the grumpy old man. The robot. It, oh, I love how the robot seems to fuck up attacking him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it was Sheldon who coined the term force lightning on this show. So I kind of I've been running with that every time it's used. I love when it, you see a character in the '80s electrocuted with force lightning. You know that cheap. Where it's just effect. that it's them shaking. Mm. It's just them shaking, yep. and you're just like you know they're told like we're going to draw the lightning in later. Yep. Yeah, because the robot fires a taser at him but misses, 
and we think like, oh, the robots are stupid. And even even he's just like, what the fuck are you doing? The taser activates the lightning and the robot and the guy is standing in the puddle. Then we realize, oh, the robot knocked over the water on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like this was all its plan. Like it, it's a cunning little fucker. Yeah. It, it, it's not as stupid as it first appears. I don't want to go off on another tangent. But we well, when Dick hits the ground, he he doesn't just like fall down looking like he's just like like shook and fall down. Mm-hmm. He looks fucking cooked. Oh, yeah. When he falls down. Uh, I don't want to go off on another tangent, Mike, but I, I, this has to be said. My computer's still on uh, Mary Warnoff's wiki. <laughs> in, in 2003, she was in a movie called Prison A Go-Go. <laughs> and her character's name was Diane She-Bitch Slutface. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my it. God. Is that a horror movie? I don't Please know. Please tell me it's a horror movie. The link isn't clickable, goddammit. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, but Diane Shebitch Slutface in 2003. Wow. Anyways. <laughs> so her nickname was Shebitch. She, so she, she comes from a long line of slut faces. Well, I don't know. Shebitch is not in quotation, so that could be a middle name. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh. It's actually pronounced Shebitch. We're a, uh, we're a Polish-German family, and we're quite proud of our lineage, and we don't need, we don't appreciate you mocking us. Oh, God, I had tears in my eyes. It's Frankenstein, you know. It's like... <laughs> oh, man. All right, your turn. Oh, uh, when when they... Uh, <laughs> when, when the guys realize they're under attack, mm-hmm. and they end up loading for bear in the sporting goods store. Yep, got that. With slow motion walk and that one liner. We're going to send those fuckers a Rambogram. Oh. Perfect hero entrance. You know, it's 1986 when you could buy AK-47s in a mall. And <laughs> it's a great, you know, close-up shots of them putting the magazines and the rifles and loading up the guns. And I think they're getting gas cans ready, whatever. And then they have that slow-motion walk down, you know, to where they need to go. Even fucking Ferdy looked like a badass. And he he is basically like, like you like you said, he's, he's basically Rick Moranis in this. <laughs> but even he looked badass. Oh, yeah, he's holding a gas can and a pistol, and you're just like, yeah, this guy's the demolition expert. Mm-hmm. Uh, so oh, good, I'll man. cross that off. Um, after Dick Miller, we mentioned her already, but I'll write down how I actually said it. I put, Susie Slater might not have the best tits, but she looks great running around in her panties. And she's a girl who doesn't like getting head, but man, can her head explode. <laughs> She'll give you a headshot. Oh, man. So first off, she looks great. You know, I'm not a big fan of her chest because it's it's. I think it's 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 bad implants, but it's you know your personal preference. But man, it, it does look it does look a little artificial. Like mm-hmm. I, I know, like me, like I'll take the naturals any day. Like you know, even if they're mosquito bites, like as long as you're showing them, I'm grateful. <laughs> and like again, like implants, they're just. Too much. Like, to me, anything more than a handful is just a waste. Yep. But I'll tell you what. Thank you, Roger, for making sure there's lots of close-ups of her butt when she's when she's running. And we get <laughs> we get to see the lasers, you know, bounce off it. Like like Mike said, we were talking about Buns of Steel. And she gets shot in the ass three times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's still running. Like, if you get shot in the ass with a gun, you're not going to be walking after the first shot. And you know... 
Like when she she turns around and her head is zapped and boom, it fucking explodes and she just falls down dead. Wes Craven, this is how you do it. If you want to explode someone's head, you don't make them do a chicken dance afterwards, like we mentioned in Deadly Friend. This was a fantastic head explosion. It looked beautiful, and then boom, she was out of it. There was no twitchy, no nothing. Um, one of my favorite head explosions I've seen on a film. A lot of people say scanners. I think that's a little too over the top with the gore. I love uh, looking at her run away and then watching her head explode. Except when they film her immediately afterwards when the robot drives over her and she still has her hair over her shoulders as if it wouldn't be separated from her body. Minor details, man. Minor details. <laughs> yeah, her head explodes and it's back. Details, details. Exactly. I mean, never mind the fact that the awesome head explosion is immediately negated by the fact that her head, even if she's still dead, her head is like reassembled on her corpse. Well, then you, you should have been fixated because you still saw her butt hanging out of the of her underwear right there. You were looking at the wrong end of her dead body, She, Mike. The shirt was covering her ass. It was, ter- it was a tragedy. She had nice legs showing. I'm trying. I'm work, working <laughs> here. Damn it. Uh, at least she didn't do a chicken dance. How about that? That, yeah. At least, like, she, at least she dropped, like. <laughs> I mean. Thank goodness that we didn't see Mama Fratelli's ass when <laughs> when she made died. You feel better. I mean, if if BB like bounced a basketball off her ass a couple of times and then like gave her gave her the ultimate headshot. <laughs> oh God! Just imagine uh, Ann Ramsey. You know I don't allow that. <laughs> <laughs> then Mike's like, "What well, you did last week, Eric? Quit giggling. You know that type of stuff." Oh, I haven't taken a pounding like that since I was on the USO tour. <laughs> God. Ew. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Uh, again, <laughs> yeah, let's get back on track after that one. Ugh. Yeah, my next good is uh, Barbara Crampton being a Barbara and getting flambéed. Now, when I say a Barbara, you know that you know which Barbara I'm talking about. The Barbara from Night of the Living Dead who is just yes. screaming, frantic, yep. over-emotional, pointless, blonde, white woman. Yeah, and we by that we mean from the original Night of the Living Dead, not the remake where Barbara actually did stuff. Yes, the original Barbara who was just put there to... I mean, if if misogyny wasn't... wasn't uh, uh Romero's intent mm-hmm. it certainly it certainly was the result yeah but she made a really good crispy Crampton you know at the end of that scene <laughs> oh that, like I hated her mm-hmm. simply for being a whiny asshole yeah as soon as the attacks happened like she's great up until the point like where she's like you know getting topless and stuff mm-hmm. and but as soon as the robot shows and she's just like he needs me <laughs> It's like er, it's like everything as soon as there's danger, mm-hmm. she is instantly the bad decision and the frantic panic attack Looney Tune. And yeah. you know, Barbara, being a Barbara, gets flambéed as a suitable punishment for just laying still in front of the death machine while holding a gas can. Like uh, it's like she can't 
<laughs> What's funny is that she gets she gets knocked down. She can't get up. As mm. soon as she gets blown up and set well, on fire, she then she the, can get up. <laughs> then she gets up and runs. Well, she got shot in the leg. That was the thing. Yeah, but you know, did, <laughs> was that was the leg wound automatically cauterized as soon as she was set on fire? Uh, you know what? Maybe there was a spinoff of Buns of Steel. We had Legs of Steel. You know, it was the eighties. <laughs> everybody was ripping off everybody. You know, like I can understand, like if she was like flopping around because she mm-hmm. still can't get up because her leg is fucked up. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, my leg is fucked up. Help me, help me. I'm good. To... And she wasn't even crawling. Mm-hmm. She's just lying there, like ah, like you know, just to let you know. One robot notice me, mm-hmm. and two, I'm gonna make it really easy for you. I will not move. So, like, at least, like, try rolling around, crawling. Like, if your leg is fucked up, then be prone, but active. But this is on the good list because of the... the she death. gets she gets what she deserves. Gotcha. Okay, I was getting a little confused. I'm like, yeah, yeah okay. it's in the good because an extremely annoying, hateful character who is absolutely stupid to the point of infuriating mm-hmm. is immediately and stylishly dispatched. I'll give you that. Uh, yeah, that, that, and that, that was a really good fire stunt, too. Um, a good five, six seconds, maybe? Um, the Whoever was the stunt person didn't gain 20 pounds like Robert Anglin's stunt double in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. So that's always <laughs> a plus. Um, you, don't see, you didn't really see any fire protectant material on the face or the hands. But then again, with Roger Corman producing, they probably didn't pay, it, pay for any. Um, <laughs> they probably just paid a homeless person and just be like, listen, we're going to have a fire extinguisher in hand and, you know, I'll, I'll get you, I'll get you a 40 and, you know, if you survive, I'll get you another 40. Yeah. Trust me. It's a lot better than those bum fights you've been participating in. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, my next good, we're going to rewind a little bit. Um, the, the destruction of the furniture room that they were all standing, they were, they were all in after, um, Susie Snyder gets, you know, her head exploded. Um, once the killbots get into the room and they just let loose, destroying all the beds, all the, 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 the lights, you know, it's nothing but chaos and, and feathers everywhere. People jump. It's their private Ryan. It's their private Ryan. Exactly. It's saving private Ferdy. You know, it was, <laughs> I wasn't expecting, you know, you know, because we already know what this type of movie is going to be, you know, cheesy, stupid. A um, little bit of blood. I didn't expect to have this great, you know, air quotes, of an action scene in this type of movie. And it went on for a while. So Shit's, shit's getting blown up, although there is a scene where you can clearly see feathers are being blown out of a pipe under a blanket. But, you know, you overlook it. You overlook it. The, yep. the rest of it's good. Mm-hmm. Squibs so, are going off. It looks great. Yeah. It, it, they sh- they got their money's worth out of this scene. and it This was is where you really see that the robot is has, like... Mo- has like unlimited laser blast capacity. Exactly. So yeah, really enjoyed that scene. Oh yeah. My next, uh, my next good is Kelly Marino proving that, uh, she's not only the actress from night of the comet, she is the character from night of the comet (laughs) because when they're shooting gas tanks, everyone's fucking terrible. She grabs a revolver and one shots a gas tank which blows it up and kills a robot by causing the elevator to uh, an elevator to drop with it. Mm-hmm. And when they say, "Wow, good, good shot," and she goes, "Dad was a marine," mm-hmm. 
And her father was a Marine in Night of the Comets. So this is the same character. The little <laughs> sister is back and kicking ass. Yeah, I would see. Appar- appar- apparently, the <laughs> apparently the uh, the human race has rebuilt since you know ninety percent of it got zombified. In the last two, in the last two years, they've been doing a lot of breeding. <laughs> it's the eighties, man. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, I only have two left. Um, my next good is I love. I love it reminds me a little bit of a cartoon but I love how Allison Kelly Maroney how she put it pours the paint all over the ground so the treads of the the killbot won't the final killbot won't uh grasp the cement or whatever so it reminds me a little bit of like you know in a cartoon when they're just running in air so <laughs> so that looks really cool and then I like how she she it's a total hero moment she throws the flare in there you know, she says, have a nice day, which is, you know, what they have been saying every time that they kill a, per- a person. Huge explosion. Looked great. So, the, the, the death of the final kill bot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that was a, another one of my goods was that uh, she shows that a paint store and a flare mm-hmm. are the winning combination. Yep. Oh, man. My next... Uh Wait, like that was my good. So, what's your good? Okay, my final good is I'm always a sucker for this. I love when movies end in what I call the 1980s, 1990s TV series credits. I love kind of like in Predator or in this movie how at the end of the film we see the actor on screen for a little like two second blip of something they're doing in the movie followed by the actor's name. So we get all the douchebag men. We get, we get you know, Barbara Crampton, Kelly Maroney. And then I love how when it shows Susie Slater's, because everyone else is just smiling, chewing gum, whatever. But Susie Slater's clip is of her head exploding and then freeze framing when it's <laughs> in motion of exploding. And then it says Susie Slater. Oh, yeah. that uh, I, I always love that because... You know, how many people are going to remember a character's name yep. or, you know, do all the mental math it takes to her when you see just see a word and a name? Like, how, how many people are going to remember that? Not many. So just, you know, meet me halfway. Show me the fucking person's face mm-hmm. and then like the name and the act, the character's name and the actor's name. Like, just just do some of the work for me. All right. I, I watched your movie. At least help me out. If I'm trying to be like, who was that person? Bam, you've told me. Thank you. you. Know, I wholeheartedly have that problem. You know, <laughs> Mike, you've noticed I've been with you for almost a year now on this show. Nine times out of ten, I'm ta- I'm saying the actor or actress's name and not the character's name because it's easier for me to associate that way. These type of endings, I know who's who. I can put the name to the face. And uh, you don't see that often. The last time, honestly, I remember it happening was like the Scream movies. You know, and uh, it's just it's really cool to, to to see that it helps me associate, you know, a character with who they played who, or who was played by them. Yeah. My next good is Greg, who has been pretty decent throughout this entire movie, despite the fact that he's still like an ugly fucker to me. <laughs> he has no lips. Come on. He's not human. 
Oh, that hair lip Greg. <laughs> uh, but don't look I mean, at he, it. <laughs> so he's been pretty cool, like even though he's just like like pointlessly shooting guns like everyone else in this fucking movie. Like they load up, they look badass, and then mm-hmm. the, we find out guns are absolutely fucking useless. Mm-hmm. As uh what's her as uh what's her name? Allison proves that she doesn't need guns. Mm-hmm. Even though like she she uses one gun to good effect, but then she realizes, yeah, guns aren't going to cut it. But she takes a flare and puts it between her tits because mm-hmm. she's not going to show them, but she's going to use them. That's right. Take but Greg, get. yeah, Greg, he immediately starts getting really fucking stupid and annoying. Mm-hmm. And just when you're like, oh, man, I'm going to hate this fucking character for the rest of the movie. Then he immediately proves that he belongs with his dumb idiot, Su- with his dumb idiot girlfriend. Because he runs up an elevator, immediately turns around and says it's clear without actually clearing the fucking floor. <laughs> and then he gets cleared from the floor and falls clear to his death. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like, as soon as this character wore out his welcome, he was immediately dispatched. And I'm like, that was expedient. See, I, I, I like this episode because it, it makes me learn a little bit more about you, Mike. You will accept... Annoying characters as long as they're dispatched in a way that you can enjoy. And, and fairly immediately. <laughs> like, Barbara was fine. Then she started panicking in the vents. And I'm like, oh, you be... Like, when she was panicking in the vents, I thought, okay, she's going to need one of two things. Getting killed immediately and violently for her stupidity or mm-hmm. the, the, the kick-ass little shorty that we know and love mm-hmm. is going to slap the shit out of her. And basically make her ship up or get another slap across the face and maybe lose some teeth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're going to get one or the other, and we definitely got one. So, and then as soon as his, as soon as his, as soon as her boyfriend is just like, you killed her, you got her killed, why didn't, why didn't you stop her? And I'm like, oh boy, you better fucking die. And then immediately he fucking dies. So it can't, it can't, it can't make a bad because he he doesn't linger long enough to really make me hate the movie for having him. You got what you wanted. Yeah, you, you yeah. can't dislike because you got what you wanted. Yeah, Makes like you can sense. have an annoying character as long as they're just like this guy's a prick, mm-hmm. and he was a prick. Yep. So yeah, and uh, you said you were that was your final good. Yeah, my final my final good was the. the the TV series montage of credits. All right, my final uh, goods are the uh, the other couple, which you know seemed rather sensible, mm-hmm. but then immediately got stupid when the the woman who's like apparently good at math but bad at finding cover <laughs> just starts screaming at her husband, who is fine at the time, so I don't know why she's screaming for him or at him. But she gets shot in the chest, and I'm just yeah. thinking, like, well, these robots have shown that, you know, you can get shot in the leg, the shoulder, it'll sting a bit, and if you get shot in the ass, you'll be perfectly fine, it won't even break your stride. Mm-hmm. But apparently she gets shot once in the gut, and that's enough, because she's bleeding from the mouth, and she's not moving. And I'm like, oh, god damn it, you're made of paper, you fucking sissy. Well, well, the thing is, though, she didn't have, you know, extra protective padding in her chest like Susie Slater did. Oh, she didn't have like those those butt implants either. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. <laughs> it's like the lasers are great against flesh, but they don't test well against silicon. 
<laughs> but immediately when she dies, I'm just like, well, all the all the couples seem to be dying in proximity to each other. Mm-hmm. So either they're going to break the pattern or they're going to break the pattern and have this guy still keep his shit together and avenge his wife intelligently. Or he's about to do something really fucking needless and dumb. And then when the robot... Just like in the, the TV show War of the Worlds, mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever saw that show. No, it it was a direct continuation of the 1953 movie. Thirty okay. years later. Oh wow! Yeah, and it has like what happens to the original aliens who they're stored in uh, barrels because like they come from Mars, so they're highly radioactive. Okay. And uh, some terrorists approach the military facility looking to find toxic waste. To I don't know. It doesn't matter what their plot is because they immediately open up the barrels, revive the aliens who uh, now have the ability to jump into human bodies Hmm. to survive Earth's atmosphere. Okay. And their first mission is to uh, steal one of their ships, which has been uh, in military storage. Mm -hmm. Now, they can't get it up and running, but they can at least work the turret. So as they're, uh, it's driving around with the ship on a flatbed truck, and it's just going like, and it is like the fucking ship. It is like, mm-hmm. they even have uh, Susie from the movie in the in the eighties as a much okay. older woman, and as the aliens are blasting shit, some uh, the the lead scientist who's opposing them creates a parabolic mirror. Which is just basically like a a conclave mirror. Mm -hmm. A concave. Not a, not a like clandestine group of meetings. Mm -hmm. Which I said before was conclave. Mm -hmm. But anyway, when the robot. I was letting you run with it. (laughs) So when the aliens shoot the, uh, the the convex mirror. Concave, convex. It looks like a, yeah, they shot the mirror and it reflects (laughs) the aliens beam back at it, blowing it up. Uh Uh-huh. So that's what happens again. Rip again, like copying War of the Worlds. Mm-hmm. But I think that series came out in 88, 87, 88, and this was eighty six. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe they decided they're going to rip off Corman. Yeah, or it's fucker. just yeah, oh. you ripped off our movie, fucker. Now it's our turn. <laughs> Turnabout is fair play. Yep. So the robot he gets his laser reflected back at him, mm-hmm. and he starts like shorting out like. And the idiot decides, I'm going to joust this fucking thing, even though it's like spinning spinning out, shooting it short circuit. And he, mm-hmm. like, you just have to find. Co- I think like even she gets shot after it gets blasted. I think so. Yes. So again, all you have to do is just just take cover and wait for this thing to uh, to just fucking die because mm-hmm. he's obviously sustaining damage and, re- and reacting. But she gets shot because she has to be like, hey. shoot me i secretly hate my marriage shoot (laughs) me please and then the husband's just like my wife ah you fucker and then he just like bangs into the thing which electrocutes him to death yeah and i'm just like ah god damn you you fucking retarded stamos (laughs) you were bearable but as soon as you stopped being bearable you died and it's just like, these robots just love symmetry. They never mm-hmm. kill people. It's always killing couples. Yep. Uh, and uh, then uh, the last good is uh, Firkin or Merkin, whatever his name is. Ferdy. He lives. Yeah. 
like he he gets dropped but not from a not from a hide or anything he just get he throws a fire extinguisher at the robot mm-hmm. which you know this guy's a fucking sissy so it's not like yeah. he's really going to throw it with much damage and then like th- he shot the robot point blank like he's been handling himself fairly good he shot the robot point blank in the uh in the cylon grid mm-hmm. so that it can't shoot lasers right so it's like he's disabled this thing which is fucking great he's made it bearable mm-hmm. and then he throws a fire extinguisher at it, which I'm not expecting it to do anything, but I thought that she was going to shoot the fire extinguisher and it would, like, blind it and then he could leave. But mm-hmm. no, it, immediate, it immediately grabs the fire extinguisher, throws it at him so hard, <laughs> I th- <laughs> he falls down to the ground and we see blood gushing. Not gushing, just leaking yeah. from his head. It's a small amount, so I'm just like, he's prob- he could live from this, theoretically. Mm-hmm. And then we see later, like, he's using a an entire roll of toilet paper. <laughs> to, <laughs> to, it's like you think he'd use a towel or some shit. But no, he's yeah. going to use, like, the flimsiest, most break-apartable paper to uh, to hold his, his gaping wound. head wound open. But, you know, it, it goes with your, your theory. You know, the couple, the two, the couples have to die. Well, you know, uh, Kelly Maroney lives, so Ferdy can't die. Makes sense. Yeah. So that's my uh, that's my final gut. He definitely had two ply toilet paper, though. I would hope. <laughs> uh, so I guess we'll get to the bads, and I didn't have as many as I thought I was going to. Neither did I. Well, I've seen this m- many times before, but you know, be an air quotes professional with, with on this show. You know, you do have to look for bads, and I st- trying to look for bads. I did not find that money, many as well. Uh, let's see here. You usually have me go first on the bad, so yep. I will say you talked about how they all the men all look like Huey Lewis. I could stand all of them except <laughs> this. Not, not, <laughs> this is just you know a coincidence. I I could stand them all except for Mike, the gum chewing douchebag. Oh, that guy! Like just fuck with him constantly going. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, fuck, please like, die, please like you die, say, please you die. You say he looked like uh, Huey Lewis. To me, he looked kind of like Ted McGinley from Revenge of the Nerds, you know, Jefferson Darcy. He yeah. just, he, you know, he's always chewing that gum. He's always got that fucking dickhead sneer on his, and a smirk on his face. He, he literally just want to punch him. He's got another, like the, another hair lip prick. He's got one of the most punchable faces I've ever seen on screen. I, yep. It would have been better if his head exploded. Oh, yeah. The Germans have a perfect word for a guy like that. A Backpfeifengesicht. Which, if I, I believe I've said this before, translates literally to a face in need of a fist. <laughs> yeah, like, like, I mean, I didn't hate him per se, like, character-wise. All the guys were just the same character other than, you know, <laughs> nerdy Ferdy. You know, they were all the same thing. They were just there to get laid. But this guy, like, every time I saw him smacking his fucking gum, I just wanted to, to strangle him. And I just, I, I hated him. <laughs> and he's the first to die, so... But not to, but not immediately, so that's why it does make it to a bad. Yeah. He doesn't die as soon as he gets annoying, he stays annoying for a the considerable time. time. Yeah. Oh, my first bad is more of a question. Okay. Because it's, a. Uh, what kind of a mall is doing so well and yet conversely so terrible 
that it can afford and also need these machines, which should be running conservatively, conservatively about a hundred grand each. Mm-hmm. Like, how can the mall afford these things? And two, if you can afford these things, are you really losing so much to crime that you <laughs> that you need these exorbitant machines? Like, you should be li- like it, at, at best, it should be like. If you're living in, like, the worst fucking ghetto, mm-hmm. which is just rampant with crime, right. and, you don't f- and you don't feel like spending $50,000 on, you know, uh, initiatives that actually disincentivize crime, mm-hmm. but you would rather spend $100,000 on murdering people that commit crimes because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's America. Right. Why, why, why prevent crime through humanitarian efforts when you can just simply punish desperate people? And... <laughs> So it decide they decide that they're going to spend oh my god they're going to spend basically at least even if they lowball these people mm-hmm. these things cost as much as a fucking house yeah you you literally almost have that written word for word for one of my bads because i put how does a mall afford these robots but mine was a little different because i put how does a mall, a mall afford robots that are bulletproof to handguns shotguns and assault rifles these and why why don't they make tanks out of that stuff? Yeah, it's just like every you know they don't <laughs> take away the fact that it's a Roger Corman movie. You know we've been making budget jokes. You know the whole episode, but how does a mall actually afford like to not just build these type of robots that has all the technology? They have fucking C four explosives and, and and you know not just you know lasers shooting out of their eyes, but they have you know tools to to. Of uh, to to cut through metal to get through like the the shop doors, they again and it and they're fucking bulletproof. They have cutting lasers as well as like uh, stun slash head explode lasers. Yep. Again, like I I wouldn't call it a laser. What would it be like a a a color patch that that is yeah. in, that is ejected from their eyes? Mm-hmm. Oh my god! I have to I have to ask like again if the mall is doing so bad. Mm-hmm. You think that these things would be a government grant? Like the government's just like, all right, we're going to deal with all these gangs that are uh, c- committing drug deals and shit on your on your property. So we're going to give these to you. But no, the mall is like apparently bought these things. So like I have to ask, like, is this mall re- actually a front for a bunch of assorted smuggling operations? And because and because they keep fucking with each other, mm-hmm. they can't report the shit to the cops. Yeah. So this has just been put in like as, as a peacemaker detente. Like <laughs> this will just make sure none of the smugglers will fuck with each other. They'll stay in their own stores. You know, it it could be that, or you know, maybe the mall is actually saving money. He, it didn't make it to my good or my bad, but you know, they basically hire anybody to work at the mall. Look at who they hired to be the cook. You know, so they're saving money, basically hiring. Homeless people off the street oh my God. to be the they, cook, and so they could afford these killbots. They had birth from you can't do that on television. Yeah. Running a fucking pizza place, like even wiping a spatula on his apron. I know. Like I was expecting him when when the, when the customer when uh, the worker makes like an offhand comment about a disgusting customer. Mm-hmm. I really thought he was going to like pop up from behind the counter and be like, "I heard that." <laughs> Oh, he all he literally needed, you know, he, he was was the chef's hat. Oh God, he was disgusting. But <laughs> I personally thought he was funny, not funny enough to make the good, but 
maybe that's where they got all the extra funds to make the, the Killbots bulletproof and all their fucking toys because they just hired, you know, fat guy number two off the street to, to make, you know, help make pizza. Oh, that guy. Like, they're in a pizza place. And the guy, the fat guy, they call the Orca. Mm-hmm. He he actually, he's, oh, God, he looks so fucking disgusting. And he says, more butter, please. Oh, you're talking and about I'm the like, customer now. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, wait, you want butter on your pizza? Mm-hmm. What the fuck? You got to dip it in something. <laughs> and you know what? He looks like a slightly fatter version of uh, the guy in the same mall that got shot by the security guards mm-hmm. in uh, in Commando. Yep. The guy with the, the the guy with the red briefcase. Doesn't he look just like him? Like mustache and everything. Like I have to wonder if this guy was a was a local of the mall and they're just like I want to film that guy doing something. Yeah, but he looked like he put on maybe at least 200 pounds since Commando, so he had a rough year in between. <laughs> okay, well, he probably had like a bad marriage or something. You know, he under- just <laughs> after Commando, he just thought like I'm going to be famous, and then he spent like he spent like half of his his home savings, including like what his wife brings in on uh-huh. acting lessons, uh, getting an agent. Like he just sunk everything into his career because he just thought I was great as that as that drug dealer that got shot over the railing, yep. and I I got something. I was great in that movie. I'm going to spend, I'm going to invest everything in this talent. And then the wife leaves him. <laughs> and then he just starts eating his feelings. And then, and then they show up <laughs> again. And he's just like, my moment is here. And then they realize, you know, you know, it's a Roger Corman produced picture. Like, okay, we can't afford to pay you in money, but we'll give you a bunch of pizza. Deal. <laughs> but you got to pay yeah. for your own butter. <laughs> See this, Bethany? I told you I was going to be a star. Yeah, who's laughing now? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh, speaking of disgusting, when we're passing through this place, we mm-hmm. see a record store called Licorice Pizza. Oh, which is the most nauseating name uh-huh. for anything I've ever heard. And you know that there was a guy that died from eating licorice. Um, you saw that in the news, right? The guy that died? Mm-mm. Someone died eating licorice? What, did he choke on it or what? Well, unless it was like that black licorice, because that shit is poison. Yeah, it was black licorice. It was in the New York yeah. Times, September 26, 2020. Oh, wow. A guy, uh, yeah, doctors at Massachusetts General Hospital said the guy consumed too much glycergic acid, which is found in black licorice. A uh, uh, guy just... Had no heart problems, walked his dog regularly, and he worked a physically demanding job as a construction worker. And then in January 2019, he collapsed at a McDonald's and just fucking died. They said the man, unidentified, had consumed one to two large bags of black licorice a day for three weeks. This caused his potassium levels to drop precipitously, prompting cardiac arrest, according to the study. Why? Glycergic acid, it dissolves potassium. No, why would you eat that much black licorice? That stuff tastes like shit. Oh my god. I, oh god. It said that he had a poor. It said, well, j- just to show what else he puts in his mouth. This man had a poor diet and smoked a pack of cigarettes a day. Okay. But, but he made the switch from red to black licorice three weeks before his death. 
So just eating black licorice for three weeks was what dropped his potassium to uh, to just absolutely abominable levels. Wow. That yeah, and the, FD, the FDA has since warned people who are 40 and older that eating two ounces of black licorice a day for at least two weeks can cause heart rhythm or arrhythmia. Yeah, that makes sense. That stuff already tastes like death. Yeah, so the compound glycerin, glycerin is derived from licorice root, which causes potassium levels to fall and leads to abnormal heart rhythms, high blood pressure, edema, lethargy, and congestive heart failure. Wow. So, uh, you know what? Black licorice, it's basically like those things in nature that are extremely bitter. Mm-hmm. Because it's nature's way of telling you, don't fucking eat me, you dumb asshole. Exactly. I taste like shit. That is your fucking warning. Mm. It's, like, it's like the candy that doesn't want to be eaten. Mm-hmm. So listen to it. Don't eat it. It yeah. will fucking kill you. I'm also looking at you, candy corn. Ugh. Oh, and we have a we have a chat between uh, our friends, and mm-hmm. one of them actually sent a, a candy cane butt plug picture. Yeah, I saw that, oh. and I was just like, you know what? It probably tastes better. <laughs> oh, Ugh. moving on. Yes, moving on. <laughs> my so, next, what's your next bet? My next bet. I only got two more. They're very very minimum. Is when they're all. Um, it's right after the, the the chaos in the in the uh, in the in the room. You know they're they're blowing up all the bedding and everything, and the the, the group, the, you know the survivors, they're, they they decide bleh, they decide to go into the air ducts, and Susie, who is uh, Barbara Crampton, she's the first one to go into the air ducts, and then everyone go you know all the women go in there, and but then the next time we see them all crawling through the air ducts, for some reason she's in the back. How in the hell did the other two get in front of her? Because you can barely fit. Now you know, of course, you know you got to make it believable because you know Kelly Maroney and then the dark-haired chick—they're—they're they're somewhat next to each other, crawling. But somehow Barbara Crampton got behind them. That's just bad editing, very noticeable. So I thought that was just <laughs> kind of funny and stupid. Oh uh, yeah. My next bad is the mall spends hundreds, if not millions. On these robots and the computers and the support crew and all that, but they don't shell out a hundred bucks for a lightning rod. (laughs) During the lightning storm with no rain. Yeah. And the roof comms are rated for two lightning strikes, but not three. Because this thing gets fucking pummeled by Zeus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And just like Kelly Slater's ass, it, it it can take some strikes, but eventually it goes boom. (laughs) <laughs> it only takes so much pounding, man. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so what's your next bad? All right, my final bad is you've already kind of talked about it is uh Linda's death. And Linda is the dark-haired woman, and it's not you know, I I'm not upset that she died because she's a likable character cuz she's just kind of meh, but I was just disappointed as we had a head explosion. And then someone caught on fire, and then this person. And this just was phoned sh- in. Yeah, this one literally just gets shot in the chest. No blood, I don't think. Well, and we see blood from her mouth as she's on the ground. Yeah, that doesn't really count compared to the other two. And she literally just falls down, and that's it. I'm just like, it's like, um, you ever see Idle Hands? 
The, the, yes. Okay. It's like I've forgotten the, it, but I've seen it. Okay. It's like the, at the end of Idle Hands, you know, they're um, the hand is crawling around and it's going to kill like Jessica Alba or somebody. Vivica Fox shows up. She literally she throws the knife and impales the hand, and the hand just goes poof. And then you got like you know Seth Green. He's like, what? That's it? <laughs> no big death, just poof, and it's gone. Linda gets shot, and poof, she's dead. You know, it's just so anticlimactic compared to the other two deaths of the women. Yeah, that's uh, it really sucks when they just like when they when they realize okay, well, uh, we have the we have the ending written out, mm-hmm. but so that means we have to get rid of two characters, and they clearly just phone in their exit. Like the deaths usually have some degree of a point where someone's just going about their normal life, and then a killer mm-hmm. sneaks up on them. But this was just like these people know. What kind of threat they're under? They uh, at this point they appreciate cover is good. Now, now, see, it would have been better, like say, make Linda the first victim. Okay, she literally she doesn't know what they're dealing with, so she, you know, she should know she's to take cover. She sees fucking lasers, but let's make her the first victim, and she just gets shot in the chest, and then you build up to the more extravagant deaths. You don't just end on a poof, she's dead type of death. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially when she's demonstrated like she's good with cars, mm-hmm. she can do math, she's yep. like adequately intelligent. Yeah, she's smart. And then and then yeah. she just gets stupid for no reason other than plot necessity. Yeah. Like if you could have her get killed like the robot is shooting blindly and then he shoots like a sc- then he shoots a light and then the light falls down on her head and zaps her mm-hmm. behind cover. Yeah. Like, you know, let her die intelligently. Yeah. Do something that respects the character. You know, it, it, and we're not. I'm not knocking the other, you know, characters. They're not dumb per se. But you got three blondes and a brunette, and you've already shown that the brunette is smart. You know, she, like you said, she can. You know, she works on cars. She fixes the car that the man couldn't fix in the very beginning. So she's already different. I mean, she's there to get laid, but she she actually has more than just being, you know, a big boobed blonde. You know, other than like, yeah. You know, Kelly Maroney. Use, she, use her she, intelligence. I mean, you've you've shown that she has technical knowledge. Mm-hmm. You could have her like open up the back of one of the robots. Yeah. You yeah you, because you have the you have the two two blondes who just want to get laid. Then you have you know this dark haired chick who who she knows cars, so you can kind of make her maybe like the Donatello of the group. And then you have you know <laughs> Kelly. She Maroney. does machines. Yeah, Kelly Maroney. The mer- machines did her. Um, <laughs> and then you had Kelly Maroney's character, who's not really. She's not a nerd, but she's kind of like, you know, the socially awkward one, which is why, you know, she has the blind date with Ferdy. So there you have two two skanks and then two different ones and she just I just wish there was more done with her death because she was different than the others. You know, and, and she's a brunette, you know, she's not the stereotypical blonde. Just a major disappointment. Yeah, it was it was just like a, a lack of respect for the character that had been built up. Yeah. That would be the best way to say it. Um, my next bad is, was Wynorski a fan of the G.I. Joe cartoon? Because these robots were all about pink lasers that don't hit anyone. <laughs> yeah, it's either either that or Star Wars with the Stormtroopers. Yeah, for high-tech machine, these things have absolutely terrible aim. Like, yeah. you, you think that they would be able to lock on and shoot things with precision because, mm-hmm. you know, they don't have human cognitive failures right they just see they shoot instant my god that was terrible it's like 
It's like, oh god, it, it was just again like they're treating the robots as bad as they're treating uh, Linda or whatever her fuck, whatever her friggin' name is. Yeah, Linda. She was the dark-haired one. Yeah, for someone who can calculate damages, she couldn't calculate cover being effective. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's my last bad. So uh, we'll go to the kill of the week. And my kill is going to Protector One getting painted to death, which was pretty fucking cool. And, you know, through the flames and everything, like, you, you, it, it's not ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Not like where, like, he gets tilted or, like, the other one falls and you think, well, we don't see it. Maybe he crawls out of the elevator and he's, like, broken, but good. Mm-hmm. When Protector One gets blown up, we get to see, like, his head fall off to the side, frame blown out. He is on fire, just, like, motionless. Like, he is fucking KIA. Yep. Good and, you know, yeah, considering all the other ones, like, getting, like, <laughs> he got he got blown up with a propane tank, but all that did was knock him over. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how he, like, he should have shown more damage, because they say, like, hey, what is that? Oh, robot blood. You know, not oil or hydraulic fluid or anything, but apparently robots do have blood. And he was able to, and you think like when he tilted himself up that mm-hmm. you'd see like the blood leaking from him. Right. But, but, but no, he is apparently just like Ferdy, he suffers a sustaining bleeding wound. And then as soon as he's upright, everything's fine. Well, maybe he found some toilet paper off screen. <laughs> it didn't do him any good in the shop though because yeah. boy he got he got painted to death and that was fucking awesome yeah and you had you know you had her hero moment you know she said that she said the the arnold quote you know have a nice day before she blew him up so <laughs> oh yeah it's like oh man i'm so glad these things didn't have like cry like have like freeze death razor or anything because mm-hmm. she definitely would have said have an ice day Oh, God. But I will say this. I did kind of, you know, because I'm a big Simpsons fan. I also pictured that that scene where, like, they're all attacking the science lab and then the the, the robot runs out on fire. Why? Why was I programmed to feel pain? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so what's your kill? My kill, I didn't know we could have picked uh, the protectors, but I'm I'm still going to go with the head explosion. Even though you can't get past the fact that her the back of her head is still put back together at the end, <laughs> it's just it's just it's a beautiful headshot. It did catch me off guard. Yeah, when I saw that, I was just like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, I did not. I like I said, uh, I was pretty sure this was your first time seeing it. I did not want to spoil that. It's a perfect holy sh- holy shit moment. It looks great, even for a super low budget film like this, and we get to see it twice. Once in the the ending credits, so got to go with the head explosion. <laughs> oh yeah. So, which brings me to my rating, and I'm going to give this movie four protectors out of five. You know, it lures us in with cool bots, mm-hmm. rewards us with amazing tits and ass, <laughs> then gives us more bots being cool, and then the bots get blown up in neat ways with the uh, the help of the kick ass little sister from Night of the Comet. Very good. Uh, me, I'm going to, yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you say. Uh, we get great tits and ass, you know, one great ass. And, you know, I'll say that the tit, the great tits belong to Barbara Crampton. Um, 
I, <laughs> the yeah, great I, natural deaths. Exactly. I, I love the, you know, the whole lightning brings things to life. I love the look of the robots. You know, we've said it so much. You know, Dick Miller, you know, Dick makes everything better. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm giving this, and I've seen it numerous times. I really had to, to search for, for bads on this one. Um, so I'm giving it four and a half Rambo grams out of five. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, they say that the, uh, that the 95 minute one was, uh, you know, just like overhead shots and one extended scene, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, that's not entirely accurate. There was an extra scene that I think we could have benefited from. And it was in the, uh, it was about the aftermath of the mall. Mm-hmm. And, okay. you know, good... I mean, thank God for our thousands of listeners who are extremely attentive and, you know, do all this amazing research for us because they found an amazing Easter egg which has a, a cameo by... You wouldn't fucking believe this. Dan Rather was in this fucking movie, uncredited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, they couldn't afford to pay him, so maybe that's why he went uncredited. <laughs> And he is actually interviewing the president of the company who was on his uh, apology tour for, uh, you know, I, I guess in name only, not not so much in spirit. Yeah. But he's, uh, you know, I think it uh, it really shows the position of the company and how they deal with the uh, with the fallout from all of this. So please enjoy it on this week's It Came from the cutting room floor. From CBS News headquarters in New York, this is the CBS Evening News with Dan Rather. We're here with Securetronics president, Dr. Stan Simon. Dr. Simon, in the last few days, your company has certainly had a black eye with the class action lawsuit by the families of the victims, as well as Park Plaza Mall itself. Now, in your demonstration, you assured us that the robots only had non-lethal measures. Well, first our hearts go out to the victims, but we stand by our strict non-lethal countermeasures. Uh, sir, one of the victims was missing a head, and another was actually set on fire. Hey, one lady was carrying a Molotov, so, you know, we can't be faulted for that. And none of our tests accounted for that much hairspray on the other ones. So, as we all know, that shit is flammable under any circumstances, and those people shouldn't have been in the mall. Uh, that's a cavalier response, considering, you know, several of the victims actually were supposed to be there, such as the janitor and two technicians. How can you brush that off? Hey, the black janitor lives, so it wasn't all that bad. And our technician signed a waiver, so they don't count. And uh, what about the damages to the mall? That mall was no stranger to chaos. We only got the contract for the Protector series after that rogue military officer was hopped up on PCP and tore through it last year, assaulting 13 security guards and inciting shootouts with drug dealers and kidnapping that stewardess and flipping a fucking phone booth. You can't deny your responsibility. It was your machines that did all of this. True, but our mainframe was hit by lightning several times. We can only put in so many surge protectors on our end, and we assume no responsibility for Park Plaza not installing a goddamn lightning rod. I mean, come on, people. You buy $500,000 worth of electronics, you can't put in a steel shaft? Come on. <sighs> Dr. Simon, will there even be a recall for all your robots after this? 
Not really. Our only other contract is the government one we have through Nova Robotics located near Astoria, and that's doing training with the military, and what are the chances of those units getting hit by lightning and coming to life? Besides, it's going to be on a military base, so if it does go crazy, they can shoot it. Good night, everybody. I've had enough. And there you have it. Now, that would have been a better, you know, after credit sequence than this, the robot saying, thank you, have a nice day. Yeah, we don't know if that's like a secret fourth protector or if it's just, you know, a, uh, a previous shot of one of the other protectors because we don't get to see a number. Right. So, you know, and, and they only showed three. So, you know, this would have been the after credit sequence. This would have been the fucking Avenger sequence mm. we, we deserved. This is a lot better than a bunch of guys in costumes eating shawarma. <laughs> that was pretty cute in that moment, though. It was. It, I, it was I, just. It was. A, it was a follow through to an offhand comment. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it mostly for the person sweeping the floor in the background, but that was just me. <laughs> He's just like they. That fucking Tony Stark better tip, or I'm going to be fucking furious. They better be paying for this. Hey, you know what? You better talk. You better, you better tip me, rich boy, or else you're gonna get an extra ingredient in your shawarma you don't want. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I, I, I definitely spit in the guy in the iron suit's shawarma, but there's no way I'm touching that Thor motherfucker shawarma. <laughs> it's green, like I have no. That green guy I gave two. <laughs> it's like yeah, I put like. <laughs> I put some I put some pills in that green guy's stuff, but he only just turned into a nerd. So, you know, I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna fuck with him. I don't know what he'll turn into next with if I if I load if I load some secret sauce into his. So that redheaded chick got my roofies. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> okay, so thank you, here, folks. Ah, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we will. Uh, you know, we hope that you enjoyed this, and uh, soon, not not very soon, but in a reasonable amount of time, we will be uh, taking submissions for the Chris Massacre, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with this year, we certainly deserve to see some fa-la-la-la-la-la-la death, <laughs> and, you know, we got some ideas. We can, uh, you know, there's still some Christmas horrors out there, mm-hmm. so please suggest movies. But if you suggest movies that we've already done, you will be admonished for it. That's right. And if you're upset that we won't do them because we've already do, done them, go back and look, listen in the archives to see what we thought about them. Support us, damn yeah. it. If you want us to do what, what you want us to do, go listen to what we've already done. Yeah, if you want us to do what you want, how about you do what we want and just listen to the damn show? That's right. It's like just Mike, just like when Mike has to be told what to do, and I'm watching in the background. You have to all play your part. <laughs> it's like you can watch. I didn't say you could direct. Exactly. Okay, so Eric, where can people find you <laughs> besides besides twenty feet away, hiding behind a couch, looking at me? Besides watching you with only one visible hand. Uh, well. <laughs> Uh, easiest way to find me, I have a YouTube channel called Hey Internet Eric here, where whenever I feel like it, I just pick a random movie and discuss. Um, but the, easy, the the best place, I think, to, to find me would be my, my podcast. It's on hiatus but now, but we'll be coming back soon. Uh, Two Bearded Losers. Um, we're on all audio formats that, that, that you can listen to podcasts 
on, but we also are, you know, in video form uh, at twobeardedlosers.com. Me and my my uh, co-host Frenzy, we talk basically any movie we feel like talking about that week. Uh, we've talked Return to Oz. We've talked Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven. We've talked. We we might be talking Chopping Mall sometime soon. Um, Mike has been on before. Never too young to die with John Stamos trying to. Save the world from a transsexual Gene Simmons. Um, <laughs> and uh, we recently had our 50th uh, episode where we finally sat down and discussed Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Um, two bearded losers uh, for all your audio and visual needs. And like, don't worry, you can watch those videos and Mike will not be in the background of that one visible hand. <laughs> but maybe when he comes back to the show, you never know. Ah, okay. So thank you very much for uh, joining us. Do check out Eric's stuff and uh, keep checking out this stuff. And, you know, you want to suggest a movie? You're about to find out how. But until next time, I'm Mike. I'm Eric. And thank you for joining us on The Graveyard Shift. The Graveyard Shift is a Strange Biscuits production. Visit our website at strangebiscuits.com slash graveyardshift to hear all of our previous episodes. Subscribe to us, rate, and review us on CastBox, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, and Spotify. And don't forget to check out our Instagram at The Graveyard Shift Pod, as well as our Facebook at The Graveyard Shift Pod. Our Twitter is GS underscore Horror Pod. And if you wish to support the show financially, visit us at Patreon.com slash Graveyard. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help support the show and get bonus content. The theme for the Graveyard Shift is As Brutal As It Ever Was by Technoaxe. Visit their website at technoaxe.com and their YouTube channel for more royalty-free music. Thank you for listening, and as always, stay spooky. (laughs) Thank you. Have a nice day. Have a nice day. Dirtbag. bag. <laughs>